Welcome to Live to Grind. My name is Brennan C. Adams, serial entrepreneur, inventor, TV creator, and speaker, passionate about helping others create something great and become unforgettable. Join me each week to discuss practical ways to help you increase your income and impact as an influencer in your industry. My goal is to help you take your business and lifestyle to the next level. Now let's get started. Welcome back to the Live to Grind podcast show. I'm Brennan T. Adams. On today's show, we have Joel Calm. Joel is iconic. He, This guy knows his stuff. He is an online marketer. He is the top of his time. And literally, he's doing more video online than me. And uh, I really liked this show. We talk a lot about video. We talk about video and live video where virtual reality is going. We talk about his journey, how he even created his own show. He had the next internet millionaire. He gives some insight on how to monetize a show. And Joel's actually featured in Ambitious Adventures. We interviewed him at Young Entrepreneur Convention. He just was actually there. He was a keynote for Friday night. He dropped some value bombs, but this guy knows his stuff. So a little bit about Joel Calm. He actually, by the way, at the end of the show, you're going to have a chance to get a free copy of his new book, Self-Employed, 50 Signs That You Might Be an Entrepreneur. Great book. Uh, been actually reading it myself. My girlfriend's reading it. She loves it. Uh, highly suggestible. Well, you're going to get a chance to get a free copy of the book. Joel, in the 90s, he actually sold one of his companies to Yahoo. Um, he went on to do many things. He, he had an app called the iFart. Within 14 days after he published the app, he had uh, it was bought 100,000 times. Um, he did, like I said before, The Next Internet Millionaire, which is the first internet reality show, basically based on NBC show The Apprentice, uh, a show where he produced 13 episodes. He produced it, funded himself, just like I, Greg and I did for Ambitious Adventures. He shares the experience there. And then we really go hard into video, how to use it right, how to market, how to do it in the future, and then where virtuality is going. And this blew me away. You're going to want to listen to this. This is some content to think about in the next couple of years. It's kind of scary. It's exciting what's happening. And at the end, he gave some great advice about his journey, what he's learned, what he had to sacrifice, and really his thought on the grind, the grind of an entrepreneur, and really take in consideration his advice. I have, and I Joel's become a good friend of mine, and uh, also, he might even be seeing me in Denver. He's got uh, Social Media Day, and actually, if you look at our notes, you can see it's Social Media Day uh, Denver, where you can get access to... If you go and you put in the code BTA at checkout, you're going to get a discount to this event. It's uh, June 30th in Denver, Colorado. And who knows? You might see me there. And before we jump in the show, uh, we actually launched a brand new company, Accelerant Media Group. And you can check out at www.accelerantmediagroup.com. We are a media company. We can do PR, marketing. We can do uh, promo videos. We can do social media, Facebook ads. We can do crowdfunding. You name it, we are the one-stop shop. And as you know, I've been able to get a lot of media attention around things, and uh, we can help you do that. So if you want to check out our website, let us know what you think at accelerantmediagroup.com. I'm all about marketing, and that's why it's perfect for this show right now, going into Joel Com, He is the top crowdfunding, not crowdfunding, but marketing expert out there, and this guy knows his stuff. He just highly suggests listening to this show. You're going to take a lot out of it, and stay tuned to the end so you can get access to his book for free. Let's jump right into it with Joel Com. Let's get started.
Welcome back to the Live to Grind podcast show. I'm Brennan C. Adams, and on today's show, we have the legend, the one and only Joel Com. Joel, what's going on, my man? Is that guy still around? Good grief. Is he still alive? He just had a birthday. How old are you now? (laughs) Just 53, man. I got a lot of life left. Oh, man. You got plenty. You'll live to like 150 with all our technology and advancement. Oh, dear God. I hope not. That's uh, I think I'll have had enough of y'all by then. (laughs) (laughs) Joel, I had the honor and pleasure to have Joel speak at Young Entrepreneur Convention. He was our Friday night keynote. Knocked out of the park, which I knew he would. And everybody loved them. You hung out. He created an awesome video, by the way. And what was your camera you used with that? Uh, that is the Canon PowerShot. That's uh, a G G7X, and it's a great vlogging camera. Not only has it got a beautiful screen, but um, it pops up so that the screen easily faces you for when you're doing your vlogging. And uh, it's got a really sharp HD picture. I, I like it a lot. I was very impressed with the quality after you created that video. It worked out well, man. Yeah. Yeah. So are you doing that every time you go to different places, just create some blogs? Um, you know, I've just taken up more produced video. I love live video, huge fan. And I, I broadcast multiple times each week, but I also like producing because it allows you to move from place to place and do quick jump cuts and put music in and some titles and create these short um, pieces. And so I'm, I'm, I've always done that. And now with this camera, I'll probably be doing more. Well, I will say one thing we do have in common is we both love video. And later in the show, I want to talk about the next internet millionaire, your experience with that, because you were recently just uh, did the interview for coming on our TV show, Ambitious Adventures. So we'll talk about the power of video. But before we get into that, go back in time. Let's hear your first endeavor in entrepreneurship, your first screw up, your first experience. What was that? Well, let me tell you about my first successful endeavor as an (laughs) entrepreneur, my first real business. Uh, And it would have been after college. uh, I got a speech communications degree, which basically uh, meant that I I went the easiest route I knew how to get my degree. I really didn't see myself as a speaker, had no aspirations to be a public speaker. So it's kind of ironic that it ended up that way. Uh, But I was a DJ my junior and senior year on the college radio station, WPGU Rock 107 FM, Urbana-Champaign's Classic Rock. Nice. And uh, and I worked in some of the nightclubs. And after I left college, I moved uh, from Illinois, went to University of Illinois, I-L-L, I-N-I. I uh, went from <laughs> uh, Illinois to, um, to Texas and moved to Dallas and wanted to get a job working in nightclubs there as a DJ. And that's when... About a year into that, I realized that I had some peers, DJ peers, that were making more money by doing private parties. So I got my own gear and went out there and sold myself, basically went to these various apartment complexes and said, hey, uh, throw a party for your tenants and I'll come out and play music and play games with them, you know, for uh, for a few hours. And I started as a mobile DJ and that business turned into wedding receptions and, you know, class reunions and bar mitzvahs and other private functions. And uh, for probably six or seven years, I did a lot of I did probably 200 or so parties. And so that was my first taste of entrepreneurial victory. What was your takeaway from that? Because I, I mean, we look back on our different endeavors that we did. What was one key lesson you took away from that business that you had used in your life for other endeavors? Well, first of all, it was natural for me to do what I did. There was no big 
leap for me to go, huh, I think uh, I'll start my own DJ business, right? Because I understood mixing and playing music and entertaining. And there wasn't any doubt in my mind that I would succeed at it because I I got it. And I was just going to go out there and get the gigs. And sure enough, that's what happened. So the lesson that I learned from that and has been repeated again and again in my career going forward is that if you just do what you love and do the next thing and trust the process, everything works out. Trust the process. (laughs) Even when shit gets dirty and and brides are pissed off and <laughs> yeah especially especially when that happens that's when you know you need to have faith that hey you know it's not all going to be sunshine and you know rainbow unicorns and and uh, all that it's there's going to be challenging times but you just stay the course on what you believe in and everything is for a season you know there was a time that came to an end that i decided okay i'm not doing this anymore because now i'm doing this other thing mm-hmm. and you close the door in one chapter and you uh, walk into the next and in the moment it seems scary but it also seems so logical um, and, and the order of things that are happening and unfolding in your life that it, it becomes effortless to make that transition as scary as it can sound. How can some people, because sometimes I think it's tough to know if it is an ending of that era to go to the next thing. How, how do you know? I mean, for some people, maybe they have a job right now or they're working at a company where they're like, okay, maybe I need to just let go because I know I'm the kind of person like just keep going, get through the tough times, but there is times where you have to make a pivot or just go to a next endeavor. How, how do you know? What goes well, through there, your mind? There's, there's one, um, th- there's a situation where the sign is very clear and in both times that's happened, well, it's happened several times, but in two instances, I got fired. from jobs I was in or, you know, was helped to, you know, find the door. And so that to me is clear transition. Um, It could have been that the signs were there sooner and I wasn't paying attention. But, you know, being terminated from a job is a great, you know, little nudge in the direction that uh, that you might need to be going. The other is, you know, really just listen to your heart. I think we really need to be in touch with what we're thinking and what we're feeling about what it is we're doing and what we want to do. And most of the time, if we evaluate why we don't do those things, make those changes, it's because of fear, you know, fear of the security of the salary or the insurance we have. It's, it's always fear of the unknown. But, you know, life is one big unknown around every corner every day is the unexpected. And we don't know what's going to happen. Nobody can actually see the future. I don't care how much you pay that psychic. They, <laughs> they can't tell your future. They just can't. And uh, it, we just need to take the next step. And I think that's where, you know, faith, faith plays a big role. Having some sort of grounding that, hey, everything's going to be okay. Yeah, I mean, for me, the unknown is what excites me. And that journey as an adventurer and seeing what else I can do and knowing, taking what I already have for knowledge and taking on the next project with that experience and taking on the best ability. So after the DJ business, what was your next endeavor? Oh, well, that was um, in 1995. I started my first internet business, you know, which sounds like Ages ago, you were what five years old? Five, yeah, five five or six. (laughs) He just a wee lad, barely (laughs) didn't know what the internet even was. 
Um, and I made the leap into uh, quitting my job and building my first website, you know, along with a partner. And uh, it wasn't easy and it didn't go the way I thought it would go, but it uh, obviously worked out. What way did you think it was going to go? Well, you know, this was July of 1995 that we had the site up. And at that time, there was only something like 18,000 websites in the world. So, you know, we're talking really pioneering this thing. And uh, we had seen from Wired.com, which started um, a little bit before, that they were starting to sell advertising. So I thought, well, if I create content, then I can sell ads. But selling ads proved to be a lot more challenging than I imagined. And during that first year, my partner went to, he left to work for Microsoft uh, the evil empire is, is they were at the time. Today, Google and Facebook are the new evil empires. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and maybe Amazon <laughs> and, and Uber. Uh, there's a yeah, lot of Uber yeah. stuff that are part of our everyday lives. And um, so I was on my own and uh, I, we ran out of money. I remember turning to uh, my then wife and saying, we're, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. I thought this was what I was supposed to do. It's not working out. We got like a buck in our, you know, checking account and, uh, and I learned a really important lesson then. This was um, uh, two things I learned. One, it was a moment of uh, took great faith because I, with no other direction to turn, I literally fell on my knees and, and said, all right, God, if you want this to work, then you need to drop the money out of the sky because I don't. I don't know what to do. I just, I was at the end of my rope. And two, during that time, I also didn't just leave it up to happenstance. I went and I looked, I went back to um, Encyclopedia Britannica that I had sold for previously. And I'm like, maybe I need to go back to selling books. And I went to the old office and talked to the sales manager while I was there. I'm thinking, this doesn't feel right. I've been here. I've done this. I'm not supposed to be here. And I realized that I couldn't do this. I mean, I needed to, you know, work to feed my family, but I realized I couldn't go back. And something really amazing happened. Within a week, <clears throat> I received an email from uh, a, a stranger, a guy who lived in another state who I never heard of, representing a Japanese multimedia conglomerate whose name I could not pronounce. I can now, Takaraja Misha, Inc. And he said that they uh, were interested in licensing content on my website. You know, I was going after an advertising model, and these people were contacting me out of the blue saying they wanted to toss some money my way so they can take my content and translate it and localize it for a Japanese audience. Um, and I was like, okay. And I, there was one thing I learned in sales is that when the other guy is talking, you shut up. You keep your mouth closed and let them say whatever there is they're going to say, which is a good thing because I thought that they were going to offer me a couple hundred bucks for, you know, some of my articles. It ended up being $7,500 a month for my content for 18 months wow. and totally saved my bacon. And, uh, to me, you know, my request for money to drop out of the sky, um, <laughs> it happened. It literally happened. It, and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not a religious person, but I am a person of faith. And to me, I, I feel like God is amused when he does something that we could never make happen, you know, because it kind of makes it clear that, hey, you didn't do this. Just want you to know that. But I got your back. So when you had that happen to you after that deal happened, what was your pivot? 
what did you do moving forward to get more business? Well, first of all, I, you know, my family was taken care of. My immediate needs were tended to, and it allowed me a little more freedom to breathe. And it didn't change how I approached business because even building the website was, this sounds like fun. I, I, I'm geeking out. I've always geeked out on technology. I bought a computer when I was 16 years old. I had a TRS-80 Model 1 back in 1980 before you were born. Uh, you know, it had 4K of RAM in it, which is hilarious because I just bought a two terabyte drive the other day. Uh, you know, 4K of RAM is a thousand K. Blows uh, your 4, 000, mind. Yeah, bits of memory. Uh, anyway, it's changed so much. And my mom said to me at that time, what are you going to do with the computer? And uh, of course, now she knows and she's a successful blogger and video creator in her own right, who has more views than me. She's got like 19 million views on her YouTube travel videos. It's really? amazing. Yeah. Travelswithsheila.com. Go see my mom's stuff. Go look her up on YouTube and, and, and tell her I said hi. Uh, she's, she's a lot of fun. Uh, but... Uh, wait, what was the question? So I was, I was saying, where do you, you had that opportunity happen. Oh yeah. And then where do you make a pivot for getting more people to give you money? Yeah. So the, the ad model, you know, brought in a little bit of money, but I was always on the lookout for what interested me most. And uh, my webmaster sent me an email one day and he said, Hey, check out what this, uh, um, UC San Diego grad student is doing. He's like, I know you like games. And we had a couple web games that you would point and click, you know, stuff on the web. Back then it was very uh, rudimentary, unsophisticated. And this guy, uh, his name was Aaron, had created one of the world's first multiplayer game rooms where people could join remotely and play card and table games like chess and checkers and hearts and spades. And he had a few of his friends beta testing this thing. And I thought, this is really cool. And so I reached out to him. I said, what would you think of, um, you know, rebranding this thing and growing it and turning it into a business. And we worked it out and partnered up, called it classicgames.com and started growing this game site all the while still building my other content sites. And uh, we ended up getting acquired in 1998 by uh, then the king of the internet, who was Yahoo. You know, today they're uh, lost cause and <laughs> going out of business. But back then, Yahoo was it. So when you were building that, were you selling any kind of ads or were you just building up this gaming site? We were building it. I, I felt that, you know, if we build up a user base, then we would eventually become an acquisition target. And what's really funny is once again, I reached out once we had a, a significant, you know, hundreds of people playing at a time. I thought that was significant. And I began reaching out to the search engines back then. And they all, you know, they saw themselves were search engines. That's what we do. They didn't understand this whole portal um, idea that you have to be more than the the uh, search results. You have to provide content and other value. And Yahoo got it. But I reached out to um, AOL. I reached out to Lycos, Infoseek, Alta Vista. These were all the big search engines back you know back then. Excite.com, and we had some conversations, but none of them really got you know having a game site as part of their property mix. And one day I got an email from uh, a guy who was a senior game, a senior entertainment producer at Yahoo asking if we wanted to talk about working together. And so I went out to San Jose and met with them and they offered us an insultingly little amount for what we had. And I said no. 
And um, after a couple back and forth, we came to terms. And they got, for me, it was a lot of money at the time, but they got the cheapest acquisition they ever got. And uh, Yahoo Games lived for a long time. I think they shut it down last year, but Yahoo in general is just failing. What What is, so the internet you see with Candy Crush, you see with the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger being the guy for the mission accomplished, whatever the hell it is. You see this gaming. Tell me your perspective. Why? And you know this. Like, what? Why is gaming such a big part of online and generate revenue? It's so addictive, right? You know, we all want to play. We all need downtime. We all need some distractions from our day. And you know, from the earliest day of Windows, that came bundled with Minesweeper. You know, we in solitaire. We we like our distractions. And now, of course, there's so many apps that we can you know open up and play on our. Um, our mobile devices, but they're very addictive and, uh, that's, uh, they're a great distraction. And there's all these micro, um, you know, uh, process, uh, currency things happening and transactions, right. That take place. So people can buy a, get a little edge by spending a little real world currency on in-game currency. It's gambling. It's like going to Vegas, but you're doing it online in a smaller way. Well, yeah. And you can't win real money you just yeah. win the satisfaction of you win that that a little feeling in your mind like ooh, ding you won yeah it does it releases an endorphin that gives us a sense of accomplishment and i'm sure entire um uh college um what i'm, I'm i can't think today uh you know your thesis could be based on yeah is it a real reward or is it, you know, is Pavlov just ringing the bell, you know, and we're drooling and, um, you know, there, there's a big question, you know, about the real value of, uh, of games. And I think that it's there, uh, but I don't know that it, thinking the reward is something real is the, ga- the gaming, I believe will always be there because we lo- we're competitive. We like that feeling. I, I will admit in, in college, I played words of friends and I actually got so competitive with my family that I actually was spending money to get like to be able to play more and build up my points. I even bought, I think, flowers for the girl, my girlfriend at the time. It gave me a deal to get more points or something. But I saw what it was like, and it's it's scary. And a lot of things is data too. I mean, people are getting this data, and people can market to it. But I'm really curious. So in 1995 is when you started your business, right? Yep. Okay. So from 1995 to we're 2017. Yes. How have things changed in growing a database or growing an audience? How has it well, changed for growing an audience? It, it's much more challenging because you know here we are almost 22 years later uh, from when I started, and you know back then there was 18,000 sites on the web. Now there's how many countless millions. Yeah. And so, uh, and now we've got social media. So there's things that we have now that we didn't have then that, uh, on one hand, make it easier to reach and build an audience, especially if you've got money to spend to do it. Uh, but at the same time, it is a really crowded field and, um, you've, you've got to make sure your message really stands out. What's the best way to do it organically? Um, to tell a story so compelling that others will want to retell it. That's the essence of viral marketing, right? When we put a piece of content out there, whether it's a photo, funny meme, um, you know, a blog entry, a video, or we're going live, whatever that content is, we're all storytellers. 
everything tells a story of some kind and that story either teaches somebody or it uh, touches the heart by inspiring or motivating them or it entertains them or brings them into an experience which can do can do all of the above or any combination thereof. And as storytellers, the key is to capture the hearts and minds of those that are exposed to our story. So the essence of viral marketing is telling a story that's compelling so that when others stop, read it, see it, listen to it, they go, oh, so-and-so needs to hear this. My followers, my friends, my family, or this one person in particular, I want to share it with them. And that's why sharing is what makes things go viral. And if you look at videos that have been viewed millions of times, it's because they've got a zillion shares. Um, that's how it really works. So what is, what is your favorite platform for social media to use to tell your story and to get your own self out there? Facebook, without a doubt, I've got the, you know, it's where most people are. Not everybody, but there's 1.9 billion people on Facebook. There's 7 billion people in the world, and a number of those, you know, a couple billion of those don't have internet access, and some that, you know, do are in other countries where they don't allow access to Facebook. So, you know, of the Western world, most, you know, the most people are on Facebook. And so it's also where I'm the most connected with friends, family, associates. And so, um, you know, you want to go where people are engaging with you. And for me, that's Facebook. So one thing that we both are very committed to is video, uh, live video specifically. Mm -hmm. So talk about, and again, I, I really want to pound this into the people listening, how powerful live video is, how powerful has it been for you? And where's, where's it all going? What are the, the powerful uh, assets or benefits of doing live video? Live video is huge. So I've been doing it since 2008 uh, when Ustream.tv allowed you to broadcast, make your own channel. Now, back then, you had to have uh, more sophisticated equipment. You had to have the bandwidth to be able to support the video. You needed to have somebody to help produce a show for you in order to have any type of quality. Um, and you needed to use their application. Well, fast forward to 2015, where we had a perfect storm, the melding of ink, uh, bandwidth so that anybody can go live on their 4G if need be, uh, let alone LTE or Wi-Fi. We had mobile apps like Meerkat and Periscope that were easy for people to use. And we had mass mobile adoption. Everybody has a smartphone. And so uh, I've delved in even deeper and uh, the past couple of years have just been a blast because now I speak quite a bit about live video. Many of the keynotes that I give and conferences I'm asked to speak at revolve around how do businesses and brands use live video. Now, here's a stat that'll blow you away. Facebook just announced a couple of weeks ago that one in five videos posted on Facebook are live videos. That's 20%, less than two years after introducing the feature, um, it already accounts for 20%. So there's something about live that allows you to connect with people in a way that recorded video does not, and it is the future. So it is the future, then what, what do you see it being a year from now, two years from now? What is live video turning into? Uh, well, you know, look, TV is now this ubiquitous term, right? When I was a, a little boy, we had a television set in the living room and you had five channels you can access and you had to actually get up from your seat and go to the television and turn the knob 
to go to your channels. Um, you know, fast forward to today, and we've got <clears throat> cable and satellite with hundreds of channels and nothing to watch. You know, we can time shift with our DVRs what we want to watch when we want to watch it. We can we have Netflix, we have Amazon Prime, we have Hulu, we have other ways of streaming to our devices, we have YouTube, and we have people like you and me creating content. There's so many choices. It's all now TV. TV equals video. It's all the same thing. And so our smart TVs are going to be equipped with apps for these new channels. You know, we've already seen Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and like Fox Now and HBO Go. They all have their own app to stream their own content apart from a channel you would tune into. And in the same way, Facebook and Twitter and other social apps that choose to get in the mix will have apps that you'll launch on your television, your smart TV that you'll never use to watch regular TV just to watch what you want when you want. And so uh, that means that the audience for content created on Facebook Live and on Twitter is going to increase. And so uh, ad dollars will always follow eyeballs. So I've noticed in the past six months, the amount, I mean, I, I still get attraction on my live videos. I do a lot of live, not as much as you, I believe. And I do like edited videos as well. Uh, I've seen how I get less views and it's, it's more pay to play. Uh, but how do you see this going here six months, a year from now, let's talk about virtual reality. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? And we talked about this before, but share with the audience. So, so for those that are watching the video version of this, I'm holding an Oculus Rift VR headset. This is technology that Mark Zuckerberg paid several billion dollars for a few years ago. It's now owned by Facebook. And along with the HTC Vive, which is a different VR set, and things coming along like the Microsoft HoloLens, the Samsung Gear, virtual reality is now here commercially. And over the next couple of years, we're probably going to see the breakthrough, and we're going to see it in the form of a must-have piece of software, um, likely on a game console, you know, from a PlayStation or an Xbox or a Nintendo and uh, we're going to see the, the virtual reality experience come into the homes in a massive way. Right now, I think a total of maybe 1.5 million or so VR units have been you know sold, maybe 2 million commercially, the, the professional level. Because you can actually do it on your phone with a piece of Google Cardboard um, that allows you to use your phone to go into VR. But these more sophisticated units, the prices are going to come down and the technology is going to become more accessible. Uh, we are entering into VR spaces, which uh, Facebook actually launched just uh, recently, their own connection to VR in a free beta app that allows you to view Facebook from in virtual reality, to take a 360 photo and surround yourself, to put yourself in that location, to call a friend and invite them into a room and your avatar is talking to their avatar, but it's it's you talking. Uh, it's really cool stuff and, and it's fun to pioneer it. So are you saying that we will, with this virtual reality, we'll have to have our own headsets at first? Yes, you have to have a, a VR headset in order to enter into VR, but I think they'll get smaller, you know, less clunky as it is. It's not an uncomfortable piece of hardware to uh, to wear. I'm really surprised at how light and comfortable it is. And so, again, when the experience that can be had 
is irresistible. That's when we'll see the masses. Right now, people are like, wow, that's really cool. I wish I had one of those, but I don't necessarily see the practical um, application. But that's going to come because in the future, there are events that we will attend virtually. Uh, and you won't be able to be a part of it unless you have a virtual reality headset. So to give an example, if if you were keynoting an event at a young entrepreneur convention and you had the virtual reality and somebody's Facebook Live and you could be as if you were in that experience. Exactly. And that's what we're going to see. We're in, we're going to see it with conferences and on a larger scale, we're going to see it with sporting events and concerts. Imagine being able to have sideline seats for the Super Bowl. So be able to watch as though you are sitting right there on the 50-yard line. How much would you pay to have that experience live in VR? Well, multiply that number times the millions of others that would pay for it, and you've got massive pay-per-view. What would you pay to see your favorite band front row center? Yeah, you could go buy scalp tickets for a thousand bucks, you know, to go see Taylor Swift. But what if you could be there looking up at her in virtual reality as she is live with the music pounding in your ears? It's it's getting to the point where there's gonna be less in-person experiences, less going to events or things. It's really you do it at your own convenience. The pendulum swings, right? Technology comes along, people embrace it, and then they see the benefits of having it, but they also see what they might be lacking. And so, you know, there's a lot of the younger generation right now that are pulling away from some social media and favoring, you know, going outside and playing with their friends because there's great value to that. And I think as long as we don't get caught up in, you know, living in virtual reality, um, then we're going to be okay. So how do you see people using an entrepreneur being able to leverage uh, virtual reality in a way to catapult their business? Well, you know, there's certain segments right now that if they're looking at it, they can get a, a leading um, edge on it. For example, those in real estate, right? If you can show people by walking them through a home or an apartment in VR, now they feel like they're in the space as you're showing it to them. And now there's not a large enough audience quite yet to mass market, but those who are forward thinking will be looking at their industry and asking the question, how can I bring people into this experience as closely as possible without them actually being there? And then how do I monetize that? So let's let's go into, so we're on video. So you you had your own reality TV show. You invested a lot of money and time. And what, you recently just came on for Ambitious Adventures, which we're in the process of pitching to big networks. That experience, do you think video, how we've created it, do you think that's going to continue to go down that route? Or will it be more into the virtual reality? What is that going to look like? Well, for you know your show, Ambitious Adventures, it needs to be consumed the way that, that it's created. There's no reason to add other bells and whistles to it yet, like VR, because the audience isn't there yet. Yeah. They're coming. So to be thinking, you know, in a couple, two, three years when this blows up, how will we be positioned? Do we want to create a show that brings people into the space more? In which case you might start shooting with 360 cameras. Yeah. And 360 cameras are what you need in order to create a fully immersive virtual reality experience. And so, you know, you guys get picked up and, you know, you might get on a network, but network's not going to be able to show 360. They're going to show a flat two-dimensional, you know, screen. 
So it's it's really in the future ambitious adventures having 360, having the state of the art technology to add more value to that show. What was your learning lessons from doing your show? <laughs> I don't want to. I know we briefly talked about this. So you you invested time and money, and yeah. you had your show, the next Internet Millionaire. What was that experience like? And going back on it, like what'd you learn? Well, talk about an ambitious adventure. Um, <laughs> you know, we're as entrepreneurs. Uh, many of us are bumblebees, and for those that don't know what I'm referring to, the bumblebee syndrome. The uh, the bumblebee is a, uh, a a flying insect whose body is too heavy for it to physically fly based on uh, its wings. It's just aerodynamically not suited to fly, and yet it does anyway. And so we are like those bumblebees. We don't know what we're doing, you know, most of the time. And that's fine because our enthusiasm and our ambition will carry us, our passion. And that's what happened with The Next Internet Millionaire. You know, we produced a 13-episode full reality show that was a combination of uh, The Apprentice and YouTube. You know, I was inspired by both. And uh, we produced the show with contestants and challenges and, and uh, you know, guests and prizes. And uh, it got an honorary Webby Award for uh, for reality TV. And 10 years later, I look back at it and I'm still really proud of what we accomplished. You know, we shot with four cameras and came out with full episodes. And if you go to YouTube and just look for the next Internet Millionaire, you'll come upon the uh, the entire show. Or just go to, ne I think, nextinternetmillionaire.com has the embedded video on it as well. And, you know, uh, we tried to sell the show to networks. And at that time... Uh, 10 years ago, they felt like it was too advanced. It was over the heads of the viewers. But it's interesting to see that in the last 10 years, we've seen the rise of some incredible business shows like Shark Tank and uh, Undercover Boss um, and, you know, The Profit. So we were a little before the time uh, for this. And now business shows are more accepted and, and uh, becoming successful. So at that time, how did you monetize it? Uh, we had sponsors for the show, yep. so they were integrated. You know, we did uh, product placement very obviously and, and candidly um, with the show, and then we created a product uh, afterwards. So for each of the the twelve primary episodes, I brought in one of my peers who was a leading internet marketing um, trainer. You know, most of them millionaires, and they would come and they would teach the contestants. We started with twelve contestants and got it down to one. Uh, but they would teach the contestants uh, about a certain um, discipline, whether it's email marketing and list building or creating video or the beginnings of social media back then. And then uh, but in the show, you'd only see about three minutes maybe of the teaching take place because the show had to move. Yeah. But we had two hours of each one. So we packaged that and called it the secret classroom, an Internet marketing seminar so exclusive you couldn't buy a ticket. And then we sold that product and sold quite a few of those. And amazingly, at the end of the day, um, I broke even on the whole thing, which is amazing. But uh, that's you, you learned so much in the process and it gave you marketing. So how do you and I, I, I mean, I'm trying to we're in the process, as you know, and we're pitching a big networks. So I actually got a call yeah. an hour with a big producer. But for you, how do you get people to buy video content because I mean for one thing you can go to movie theater and pay X amount of dollars to go see a movie or mm -hmm. a show you have on a network how do you sell something like that and for me I guess for your advice to me if I wasn't going to if I wasn't gonna hit a big network and self-distribute how do you how would you think I would best monetize this 
Well, if you're just talking online, right, then it's a matter of getting views. And when you have eyeballs, that's what attracts advertisers. Yeah. Sponsors that are a good fit with your brand and your messaging want to know, oh, you've got 50,000 people that watch this. We want to be a part of that. We want to reach those 50,000. Put us in your next episode. Um, and so, you know, sponsorships and ad dollars are the the uh, easiest way I can think of. Well, I just got to say, Joel, like I'm excited when we do air the season one Ambitious Adventures because I really enjoyed your interview. And I got to say the few things like the things you've told me and even in the past month, your insight has been very valuable to me and give me a great perspective. Like I really respect it and I call you a good friend and uh, I'm looking forward to visiting you in Denver. But I want to mention this book and this is a book uh, that I, you know, I got to read it yet, but my girlfriend's been reading it and she's like, oh my God. I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. I didn't <laughs> yeah. realize it. And it's and by the way, for you listening or watching, we're going to be giving these away. We're going to do a giveaway. But the book, Self-Employed, 50 Signs That You Might Be an Entrepreneur, and the forward by Kevin Harrington, a good friend of ours, and actually co-authored with him as well. But this book, what can you say about this book? What can people learn from it? Well, you know, the beauty of this book is that whether you are in a job or already an entrepreneur, it's great for you. If you're in a job and you're wondering, do I have what it takes to make it as an entrepreneur? You're sensing, you know, maybe this uh, nine to five lifestyle or working for somebody else isn't for me. This is a really quick read. It's 50 chapters and uh, that's 50 characteristics. So, you know, it's a few pages at a time. And as you go through these various characteristics of um, uh, entrepreneurs, you can go, yeah, that's me and that's me and that's me or that may not be me. And, you know, you kind of go through and do an assessment and you're going to know, I think I might need to be working for myself. And if you're already an entrepreneur, we need care and, you know, nurturing. It's a, it can be difficult sometimes and scary. And this book will help reaffirm that, yes, this is what I need to be doing. I am unemployable and it will inspire you and provide more fuel to help you do whatever it is you're doing. Well, I highly suggest for anybody listening, by the way, if you go to the notes, just go to livetogrind.com forward slash 233. You'll be able to see how we're giving away books for this. You can get access to the book. I want to ask you this question, and this is something that we talked about before you came to Young Entrepreneur Convention, and there's going to be kind of two parts to this. I really want you to share the insight that you shared with me, if you remember, and it made me think about things, about building these companies, about building an empire, and about relationships and family. For you on your journey, what have people had to sacrifice? What have you had to sacrifice? What has been sacrificed in your journey to get to where you are today? And looking back on it from all that experience, the best advice that you can give to the audience. Well, first of all, there's a lot of gray area. So nothing is, is all or nothing, right? Everything we, we do and are a part of and the people we're with, it's all very dynamic. So I want to preface by saying that my work did not, you know, have a linear road to a certain consequence. But um, you know, I felt like I was a, a present father with my, my kids, um, wasn't quite as present with my wife as, as she needed to be. And that's part of the reason that the work work mentality, you know, contributed to an eventual divorce. Uh, you know, there was a lot of, I never missed, you know, a child's, you know, birthday or a recital or a sporting event or, you know, any you know, travels with the family, but I could have taken less time at work 
and more time enjoying them and and in helping them as they were you know maturing as children. Um, now they're grown adults and they're great you know people and yeah. and uh, they're going to do fantastic. But you know you look back and you go, did I really need to spend those extra few hours? You know what came of it? And what I discovered is most of it was wheel spinning. The thing that we call hard work. Hard work doesn't mean smart work. You know, hustling and grinding is great for a specific task, but as a lifestyle, it's not sustainable. It will burn you out personally, professionally, physically, and emotionally. And uh, what we really need to do is remember to carpe diem, Latin for seize the day. We are here today on this planet. We None of us know how much time we have. You know, we feel immortal, you know, when we're younger, but uh, we're not. And, you know, some young people will grow to be 100 and some 70 and, and some there's tragic things that happen, unfortunately. And many people can lose their lives when they're younger for whatever reason. And, you know, we don't look back and go, gee, I wish I had worked more. We, we look back and go, gee, I wish I hadn't worked as much. I wish I would have spent more time with the people that I love doing the things that gave me life. And so we need to ask ourselves, you know, if we're working smart, are we working hard? Are we having fun doing what we're doing? And are we prioritizing the people in our lives? So working smarter, a lot of people, they just work, 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 but they're not really moving the needle. And one thing I know you shared with me is, it's that right person you know. It's that right email, the right place at the right time. It's that right, right. connection that changes. Well, and, and you might you might have the illusion that you're moving the needle forward because you're making more money. Guess what, gang? That is not any measurement that really matters. Yeah, you want to have enough to pay your bills. You want to be able to have the lifestyle that you want to have. But the big house, the the fa- the fancy car, the boats, and all that. That stuff, once you have what you think you want, I guarantee that that's not going to be satisfying. That's why there's some people who are wealthy that it's all about accumulating more, more, more. And, uh, you know, they asked uh, the the famous patriarch of the Rockefellers once, um, how much money are you going to leave when you die? And he said, all of it, all of it. And he was also asked, how much is enough? And the answer was just one dollar more. So it's never enough. Uh, materialism is not a, a path to satisfaction. It, ultimately, it can lead to some great experiences, but ultimately it's not going to serve the deepest needs that you have as a human being. And so pursue those things. So I, I really appreciate that. And to end the show, I just want you to mention you have do good stuff, which is mm-hmm. doing good stuff, paying it forward. Yeah. Where can people find that brand and just, Quick concept. If you're watching this, yes, you got the do good stuff yeah. sign. Do good stuff is is my hashtag, and uh, it's an encouraging brand, you know, to to tell people to hey, go make a difference in the world. And there's actually um, a, a blank journal, a do good stuff journal. There's T-shirts and stickers uh, all for sale on Amazon. So just look for do good stuff, and you'll see what you can get. We'll have all that in the notes. And again, for this book, you go to the notes. We're beginning giving these away <laughs> for the first five people that get there. You're going to get a free book sent to you. And uh, Joel, any last things you want to share? I, I just uh, thanks for having me speak at the YEC. And I'm just really glad to know you. Uh, the, the future that you've got in front of you and the number of lives you're going to touch. Uh, if you could see 
the the vision that I see for you is mind blowing. So <laughs> just be glad you are where you are now and don't feel pressure. Just do the next thing. And I know you're helping a lot of people. Well, I appreciate that, man. And uh, definitely Samantha and I are looking forward to seeing you sometime soon in Denver. But uh, for all you listen, you know what time it is. It is time to go out there, create something great, and become unforgettable because life is too sure not to. I'm Brennan C. Adams. Have a great day, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that show with Joel Com. Go to our notes at livetogrind.com forward slash 233 so you can check out everything about this show, get the notes, and also see how you can get access to a free copy of his book, Self-Employed, 50 Signs That You Might Be an Entrepreneur. And also, it is socialmediadaydenver.com. You can go to get tickets. You actually can go get tickets there. And if you put in the code BTA at checkout, you will get a discount. And who knows, you might be seeing me there. I, uh, you know, it's a little ways out, but I think I might have to go there. And he also told me a special guest that isn't announced yet, a buddy of mine that's going to be there. So again, that's socialmediadaydenver.com. Put in the code BTA for a discount and also get access to your free book. And uh, this show, I mean, goes to show that value, or not value, but video is the most powerful thing there is. And with virtual reality and where things are going, you need to stay on top of it. And I'm not just teaching this and preaching this to the world to just do it. I'm preaching it because I know it's powerful. I've seen what it does in my business, what it's doing for Joel's business, the future of virtual reality. This shit's real. You need to jump on this. And if you want to learn more about doing video, you can learn everything, what we have to offer, accelerantmediagroup.com. We actually have our branding and influencer academy where you can actually Learn how to create video, how to become an influencer, and build your brand and market online. If you want interest in that or you want to check it out, just go to AccelerateMediaGroup.com. And that's it for this show. I hope you enjoyed it. Looking forward to having a lot more awesome guests in the future. If you have any advice or anybody you would like to hear, hey, message us. Just send us an email, Brandon at BrandonTAdams.com. Let us know who you want to hear, what you want to hear. Give us feedback. This show is for you, and we're going to continuously grind it out and give you some awesome content. Until next time, y'all, you know what time it is. It is time to go out there, create something great, and become unforgettable because life is too short not to. I'm Brennan T. Adams. Have a great day, everyone.